We are back. And in this hour, we are talking about doctors on the front line fighting to make sure women have access to abortions, because primarily these doctors believe that abortion care is indeed health care. Uh, in this hour, I'm joined by Cassandra Jaramillo. She is an investigative reporter at ProPublica and Morgan Harper. She's a community activist and former candidate for U.S. Senate in the state of Ohio. Thank you, Cassandra, and thank you, Morgan, for joining us. I want to start with you, Cassandra. So you broke this story in ProPublica about these doctors. And, you know, when you think about doctors, you generally don't think of them as being, you know, leading or on the front lines uh, as it relates to, you know, community activism or taking a political stance, because obviously most doctors treat people from all of the political groups. So what uh, attracted you to what was happening with doctors in Ohio in particular uh, and led you to this story? Definitely, Avira. One thing that really stood out to me as I was starting to report uh, about the doctors who were mobilizing were the doctors in Ohio. Ohio in 2020, overwhelmingly voted for uh, former President Donald Trump. And as many states across the country have uh, implemented these abortion bans, Ohio is one of those states that right now abortion is legal. However, uh, what doctors feel as a looming threat is that there could be you know, further efforts to try to limit abortion access, other reproductive um, rights, whether it's contraception or fertility treatments. And so as I started to see this happening, uh, Ohio caught my attention, but it's now at least half a dozen states that I've found where doctors are trying to mobilize politically, which it's not to say it's never happened, but this energy from when I talk to experts is new. And we saw the energy of women and activists all over this country uh, really uh, stop what was supposed to be the red wave in the midterm elections last year. Uh, from the work that you've done, from talking to these doctors, from talking to activists uh, in some of these states, how impactful do you think the work of these uh, doctors are going? You know, how impactful will this work be, particularly as we lead into the 2024 elections? So I think it's fair to say um, that doctors are people who we go to for, you know, their expert opinion, right? Whether we're sick or we need help. And so here they are in many states taking a stand in response to these laws. And the reason is really because they are seeing patients suffer and doctors don't want to be in those positions. And so they found themselves whether, you know, in Texas, I many doctors would say they feel paralyzed, they feel handicapped because the state of Texas doesn't allow abortions, um, even in the, you know, an instance of rape or incest, but even, you know, some serious medical complications that come up naturally with pregnancy. And so I think it is this sense of righteous rage. I don't know what else to call it, but mm -hmm. that doctors are feeling like they they have to speak out because they see the impacts of of what happens um, when you ban abortion and they're science based. I mean, I, I ask doctors these questions, you know, why now? And it's and it's all of these you know reasons right here. 
So let me uh, ask you, Morgan, you are in Ohio. You ran for Senate in Ohio. You are a community activist, an organizer. Uh, set the stage for us in terms of what's happening in Ohio around abortion rights. Yeah, and, and thanks for having me and, and shining a light on Ohio. I sometimes feel like uh, a lot of what's going on in Texas and Florida, which is very similar to Ohio, gets overlooked. And uh, it's it's good to have people know that we're we're going through a lot of the same things. So, you know, essentially we are living in Republican supermajority territory here in Ohio. Uh, there's been absolute dominance of our statewide politics by Republicans over the last, you know, decade or so. And they have used that power um, to radicalize the legislature of our state and pass some laws that are really out of step with what polls indicate is where a majority of Ohioans are, including on the abortion issue, but of course there are plenty of others. And so, um, you know, we had something called the the heartbeat bill or, you know, an abortion ban, which would really make it difficult, illegal um, for anyone, you know, after six weeks of first ultrasound detection to be able to access uh, abortion care. And, you know, that's currently stayed. So as Cassandra said, uh, right now, abortion is still legal because a judge decided to pause the implementation of that law. But, uh, but that's, that's the scenario. And, and I do think that it's hard to underestimate just how out of step the legislature has become, you know, through things like gerrymandering, they are no longer reflective of the will of the people. And so it has been um, encouraging in certain ways to see on this issue the type of mobilization, especially from folks like doctors who don't necessarily think of themselves as political actors um, being part of this fight. I'm glad you mentioned that about Ohio. I don't know if Ohio uh, residents think that, you know, the rest of the country treat Ohio like a fly, uh, you know, overstate, but you're right. Florida and Texas are the prime examples that are often in the news because of their super Republican uh, majorities in their state houses and some of the extremist laws that we see passed around education standards, uh, around immigration. Uh, you know, or Texas governor literally, you know, overstepping his bounds in terms of trying to uh, interfere with uh, federal immigration laws. And you know, issues of abortion. Uh, and and I, so I don't think many of us think of Ohio as being as oppressive as it relates to some of these issues as a state like Florida and Texas. Uh, but you're saying that's not accurate, that Ohio mirrors these states in many ways. Other than the abortion issue, what are some of the other ways in which the Republican majority in Ohio uh, has passed laws that and you know, either suppress people's rights to vote or you know other freedoms that people have in the state. Well, it on all of the all of the fronts. Um, I mean, our gun laws. We now you are able to carry a firearm without having um, without having to let anyone know about that. Let me know. You know, the concealed carry laws, stand your ground. All of the things. All of the things. Uh, we essentially have the same laws that are in place in Florida and in Texas. I think part of the reason why we have not gotten the same amount of attention is because we do have some competing forces within our Republican party. Um, our governor, Mike DeWine, he has made an effort to, I think, hold on to some of the, the old school, you know, establishment Republican inclinations that are not quite as uh, Trumpified 
but he has in the end signed on to a lot of bills that have made the state very extreme though he puts up a you know a kind of like hokey and just your your grandfather in charge of the state kind of image and so um i think that is part of the reason why it doesn't get the attention but on you know passing bills that are now going to make it um very difficult for anyone in higher education to talk about diversity. Um, that is a bill that has moved forward in our state legislature. So a lot of similar trends, but um, but I do think it's important for people to realize that though Mike DeWine, you know, puts up a different image that the same level of radicalization that's happened in this Trump era or accelerated under this Trump era is alive and well in Ohio. Uh, no, good to know that. Uh, Cassandra, let me ask you about these doctors. I assume you've interviewed lots of them. Obviously, doctors treat Republicans, they treat Democrats, they treat independents. Are any of these doctors concerned about what being involved in this fight to try to preserve the rights uh, for women to have abortion in a state like Ohio, concerned about how that might impact their personal practice, their reputation? And in some of these states, as, as you know, uh, there are criminal and civil penalties associated with trying to help a woman uh, have an abortion. So ha have you met doctors who have real concerns about the repercussions of being involved uh, in this fight? Yeah, so taking it back to Texas just briefly, uh, is it is my sense in talking to doctors that there is a, a fear in speaking out. And I was at the recent abortion hearing um, in Austin related to uh, several women, including some doctors who are suing the state because of its abortion ban, and they say they've been harmed. And one of the doctors who took the stand, she even said herself, you know, I've, I've never done this before. I, I've, I've never been a court witness. And at the same time, she said, I'm here to speak out on behalf of the well-being of my patients and my fellow colleagues who don't feel safe to speak out. And so in Texas, there is, I think, a more sense of fear of retaliation. Obviously, the Texas law also includes serious um, civil and uh, potentially criminal penalties if you uh, talk to patients about abortion or try to help them. But in Ohio, I really admire how the doctors, they're really thought about safety and numbers almost like in a collective mobilization effort, there is some safety because what can they do there, right? Um, come after all the doctors in the state. Well, Dr. Lauren Bean, you know, prepared for backlash, even with the safety and numbers. But what stood out to me in talking to uh, Dr. Bean was that they were not prepared for lawmakers in the Ohio legislature to try to change the rules on how to even pass citizen-led ballot initiatives. And so that- well, let's, start, let's start off, what was Dr. Bean, uh, how did she prepare for the, you said she said she was prepared for the backlash. What did she do or what did the doctors in Ohio do to prepare? From my sense in talking to Dr. Bean, I, I think, you know, obviously just thinking about safety precautions uh, and also perhaps preparing for angry calls to the office in that sense. But the political kind of chess game part is where I think it's fair to say that Dr. Bean, obviously not being any 
you know, politician was shocked to see how mm-hmm. quickly uh, state lawmakers in Ohio tried to, you know, get issue one into a special August election. And this comes even after, you know, these sta- same lawmakers wanted to do away with August elections because they had low turnout and they were expensive. But as they saw these doctors, I guess this must have been back in March, you know, start to really gain momentum with collecting signatures. Um, that was something that it, it stood out to me um, that while the doctors, you know, in their minds thought about the backlash, they really weren't prepared for some of these roadblocks or potential roadblocks, I should right. say, um, with this special election coming up in in just a few days, actually. So, Morgan, talk to us about issue one and the special election. Yeah. So, you know, as Cassandra is saying, I mean, yeah, I think the backlash that was anticipated that we're used to, like I mentioned before, this has been an ongoing fight to try to protect reproductive rights in Ohio. So, you know, that this is going to be on the November ballot and the full armory of the the conservative movement in Ohio would be fighting back to try to defeat that in November. What was not. But what's going to be on the battle in November? What? Exactly. Whether uh, whether or not we'll be able to amend the state constitution to protect a, a right to reproductive okay. health care. So that's on the Ohio November ballot. Yes. And, uh, okay. you know, and as Cassandra said, we we have confirmed that there are certified signatures. And so that for sure is going to be something that Ohioans will be voting on in November. Over 700,000 signatures were collected, over 400,000 were certified. Um, so it was, you know, with flying colors, able to to qualify, talk to enough and get support from enough Ohioans to qualify to get on the ballot. What is the new wrinkle is that the, so there are two ways that you can get a constitutional amendment onto the ballot in Ohio. You can have a citizen-led ballot initiative, um, which, you know, the abortion ballot is an example of that. Or you can have a proposed amendment ballot initiative that originates in the legislature. And our state legislature, which, as I mentioned, supermajority, radicalized, Republican dominated, uh, did initiate the process to now have a ballot initiative that we'll be voting on on August 8th that would increase the threshold of passage for citizen-led ballot initiatives from a simple majority, 50% plus one, to 60%. Meaning that this So if this... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, just meaning that if this abortion, for this abortion ballot initiative, which is on the ballot in November to pass, if issue one is successful, instead of having to get 51% of Ohioans to support it, you will have to, will have to clear a 60% threshold. Okay. And so the citizens of Ohio have to go to the polls on August 8th and decide if they want to increase this threshold from 50 plus one to 60%. Yes. Who are the entities uh, that are opposing this August 8th initiative? And, and what is the kind of the power dynamics? So I know the legislators, this, this Republican-led uh, Ohio state legislators are the, you know, they're responsible for this August 8th ballot initiative. But who are the big groups that are fighting back? And what, you know, what's the balance of power look like? It's a great question. And it's one that's a very live discussion right now in Ohio uh, in terms of, yeah, who are on these sides and whose money is funding both of these sides. Right. And, um, you know, and just, you know, in terms of who is funding the the pro issue one, like, where did this come from? Why are we doing this right now? I would argue, as many others do, that this has everything to do with stopping the abortion ballot initiative. And actually now campaign finance 
reports confirm that of the, you know, four point something million dollars that have been raised to support the, the raising of the 60% threshold, the pro issue one camp, about $4 million of that has come from one billionaire in Illinois, who is a wow. GOP mega donor. And then on the other side, trying to defeat this to maintain the status quo, which is 50% plus one, there's been over $12 million raised from a slew of different organizations, you know, including ACLU, broad coalition of different, um, different, you know, what would be considered, you know, more progressive organizations and donors from all over the country, including from outside of Ohio, to be fair. But the point that I always make is there's a concentration of power issue here. So yes, the, the there's money from outside on all, all over on both sides, but do we want to be a state where one billionaire can determine how our constitution looks and what rights are protected or not versus, you know, dispersed impact from multiple donors and all of that. And I would argue that, you know, the one billionaire out of state is a lot right. more dangerous to the state of Ohio than, than on the other side. Yeah, when we come forward, I want to talk about how the organizing that's happening in Ohio and some of these other states uh, as it relates to doctors, you know, what is that going to mean for the 2024 presidential election, for some of these state elections and for Senate elections? Because we know this is a tough map for Democratic senators coming up in 2024. Uh, stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and we are talking about doctors mobilizing all over the country to take a stance on abortion rights. Uh, so, Cassandra, I'm reading further in the article that you wrote for ProPublica. And there are some doctors who are actually rallying to limit abortion access. Talk about those doctors, because I think the conversation has assumed that doctors all over the country were standing up for greater access to abortion care. And in actuality, there are some physicians in some states who are on the opposite, opposite side and who are fighting to limit access to abortions. Definitely. I, I think while there are doctors uh, on the side of trying to limit abortion access, they do seem smaller in collectiveness than the ones who are wanting to protect access to abortion. But in Kansas, uh, you know, there was a, an interesting um election that came up and it was frankly even confusing even for myself where it was actually to try to say that the state constitution in Kansas didn't protect abortion access even though a judge previously in 2019 had said you know this the state's constitution did provide for uh, access to abortion and so that was a coalition of about 200 doctors. And in in Texas, you know, going back to the state's uh, attorneys who were arguing against the women and the doctors who were trying to say that they were harmed, you know, one of their leading experts um, who spoke about why she believed that even in the case of very uh, devastating medical diagnosis that a mother receives where their baby will not survive even, you know, many minutes after birth, she was of the thinking that, you know, that, that while it is tragic and devastating, that there's a way for women to process their grief through that while still carrying this pregnancy to term. Now, other doctors would say, well, those are risk, right, to carry that child 
when you know that child is not going to live, so why put a mother through that? And so, uh, you know, it is interesting talking to some doctors who who are of the mindset that, you know, they believe that life begins at conception and that, you know, even in these tragic instances of, of frankly, lethal diagnosis of, of babies, right, that, that there is a thinking among some that uh, carrying that baby to, to term is the proper thing to do. Right. So, Morgan, what do you think is going to happen, one, with this... Uh, ballot initiative that's uh, vote, going to be voted on August 8th, and then what's going to happen further, you know, down the road in November. And also, I'm just wondering, what impact do you think the doctor's involvement may have on some critical races in Ohio, whether it's, you know, that Senate race that's coming up, or some of the other uh, races that will be happening in the state of Ohio? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a big moment for Ohio politics because, you know, getting back to one of the things we were talking about earlier in terms of like who's on which side. Well, one of the folks who was on the side of trying to increase the threshold in support of issue one is Frank LaRose, who is running for U.S. Senate um, in the Republican primary and is kind of wagering his campaign on the success of um, of beating, you know, both the abortion ballot initiative and and making sure that the thresholds increase. So, you know, it looks like from polling that the the anti-issue one, the folks who want to keep the status quo, simple majority um, are in the lead. Leads dissipate quite regularly for causes that are identified as Democratic in Ohio. But, you know, some polls have it as much as like a 30 percent lead because the mm. reality is this issue is drawing in even Republicans, Republican retired governors, Republican retired attorney generals who are saying, this is a power grab. This is not necessary. This is not living up to you know, what the democracy in Ohio is supposed to be about. And so I hope that we have enough of a, a lead to hang on and that we will keep, you know, defeat issue one, keep the, the simple majority standard to then win in November for the abortion ballot initiative, which Polling is also looking good for that. But if it hits 60, if you need to clear 60%, I think that'll be difficult for any issue in this polarized environment. But as long as it's just 50%, I think that we might be in good shape. And what about Sherrod Brown? So Sherrod Brown is somewhat of an anomaly. He, in a state like Ohio, not an anomaly in you know the country, but he is a traditional Democrat in a state that has become really, really ruby red. Uh, he's up for re-election in 2024. How do you think this issue, uh, the ballot initiative about raising the threshold uh, to 60 percent and then the ultimate vote in November, how is that going to help or potentially hurt his campaign, you think? It could be a huge help because there haven't been a lot of wins. I mean, Sherrod Brown and Barack Obama are the only two Democrats who have won statewide in in about, I think, almost now 15 years. Uh, and, you know, and honestly, that was one of the reasons why I, I ran for Senate in terms of like we need to have new energy to be able to really galvanize the type of Democratic turnout that we haven't seen in some time. And this issue does seem to be doing that. It's getting people engaged who don't usually pay attention to politics, like we've talked about doctors. Um, now, the question is, will those folks stay engaged when it's you know more of an individual candidate uh, type of campaign versus an issue-based campaign? That's a TBD, but it can only help to get a win on the board for a Democratic cause in the state of Ohio as we go into 2024. And Cassandra, the issue of abortion, along with the legalization of marijuana, they're Democrats in Florida. 
who are hoping that initiatives around abortion rights and marijuana will do just what uh, Morgan said, galvanize voters, drive out more voters to the poll, uh, to the polls. Uh, is Florida one of the states that you've looked at in terms of, you know, how doctors are, are organizing and mobilizing in that state? So I'm not as in touch with doctors in Florida at the moment, but I do think related to the ballot initiatives that you bring up, Vera, we are seeing uh, whether it's doctors or citizens use these democratic tools and these voting rights, right, to be able to say my state lawmakers aren't representing the ideas or the laws that I'd like to see in my state. So, you know, we're going to put forward an effort to to have something representative of that, as is the struggle right now in Ohio. And so what will be interesting to follow in Florida, somewhat of a of a side um, observation is, will there be similar efforts to try to, uh, through the erosion of voting rights, um, try to block some of these other citizen-led initiatives that we're seeing um, in that state? And related to Florida, I've I do find it quite stunning that you have a current secretary of state, um, which I think is fair to say that historically these positions were, you know, nonpartisan. Obviously, they they do declare, a, you know, some a partisan affiliation. But um, to see secretary of state Frank LaRose in Ohio, you know, there's been reporting of recordings that have come out that he said absolutely issue one is about blocking the reproductive rights you know amendment and this is coming from an official who oversees you know voters in the state and it's voters of all political beliefs right and so um you know i think we're going to see more of these ballot initiatives in the states that allow them and it'll be interesting to see what pushback that they get yeah, that Ohio Senate race is obviously messy. Uh, Morgan, there are three uh, candidates now, you know, who are going to challenge Sherrod Brown. Two billionaires, I guess, are super wealthy, self-funded candidates. Uh, and then you have uh, your, as you said, your, you know, this this LaRose getting into this race. Again, when we come forward, I want to talk about what that might mean for Sherrod Brown and his success. And what else can everyday citizens who are concerned about the issues of women's reproductive rights, what can they do in this moment that we see doctors taking the lead? You know, what, what should patients be doing? Uh, stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. I wonder, Morgan, given that obviously based on the number of signatures that you said were able to be collected uh, with respect to this November ballot initi initiative to enshrine the right to abortion in the Ohio Constitution, if uh, with abortion rights trending uh, favorably amongst voters in Ohio, uh, does that bid well for Sherrod Brown and his Senate race? Uh, knowing that now these three Republicans in this slugfest, Donald Trump is likely to come into Ohio and uh, throw his weight and endorsement behind one of these Republican candidates uh, in the same way that uh, he did for J.D. Vance. Uh, but 
it, it seems like, as you said, even amongst Republicans, there is support for having the rights to abortion in Ohio. Is that is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think on the abortion point specifically, there are, yes, you're absolutely right. There are, even Republicans think that, you know, something like the heartbeat bill and that kind of six-week ban go too far, that we're going to be directing doctors so um, specifically from the government about how you manage healthcare, how patients make those decisions too far. And so that's why, you know, we're seeing polling that shows over 50% of, of Ohioans um, are, are you know, supporting or if they vote, will support this abortion ballot initiative that would restore reproductive rights in, in the state. You know, in terms of the implications for 2024, Sherrod Brown has a, a lot of advantages, I'd say. You know, he's an incumbent and he's been in, in Ohio politics for decades. He's a well-known figure. And I and I think that has helped him hold on in some, you know, tight elections and as the political winds of the state overall have changed quite a bit. But in terms of the constituencies, he needs to really show up to make sure that he is able to pull this off. And, and any Democrat, really, you know, we have to see strong Black voter turnout. We have to see women that are going, you know, for a Democrat, especially, you know, younger women. And we need to see young people overall show up and care. And so, you know, this effort on issue one, on the abortion ballot initiative, are igniting some energy into those some of those constituencies, especially women. Women overwhelmingly support protecting reproductive rights in our state. And you know, and this is one thing uh, Cassandra's comments made me think of. You know, in twenty twenty four, issue one, it wouldn't just change the threshold for November for the abortion right. ballot initiative. We have other ballot initiatives that are live. People are collecting signatures right now to increase the minimum wage in Ohio, that would be on the ballot if successful in 2024. So, you know, that's another thing that could add to this energy and, and just emphasizes, again, the importance of August 8th, that we can, you know, make sure that we keep this right as it has existed for a century in Ohio at just simple majority 50% plus one. And we did see, uh, Cassandra, the abortion issue really motivate voters, uh, as I said, in the midterms last year. And in a lot of states stopped what was expected to be this red wave. Are you seeing on the ground activism in some of these states where these doctors are getting involved, where these doctors are, you know, leading the activations are, you know, everyday people? young people in particular, do you see that same level of energy that you saw or that we all saw last year leading up to the midterm elections? I certainly see it in, in Ohio. Uh, I think it, it's safe to say I haven't gotten the figures yet, but I'm really, really interested to see how many new registered voters we have as a process of the signature gathering, all of the people who signed in support for the citizen-led amendment had to be registered voters in the state of Ohio and those who are going to want to vote in this August special election if they know about it. I know that's also a, a concern because last year in the primary in Ohio, there was only an 8% voter turnout. And so mm. this being, um, a, 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 you know, kind of uh, 2023, It'll be interesting to see what turnout looks, but I, I do get the sense from talking to people on the ground and the doctors that they feel confident that people will go out to vote. Now, I did just see some reporting from a local journalist in Ohio, though, that 
um, counties in Ohio don't have enough, several counties, like several dozens of counties in Ohio don't have enough poll workers um, <laughs> at the moment. So we're six days out from this August special election and, and there is a shortage of poll workers you know, that's an area that I'm also really familiar with from my reporting about, you know, the attacks on election workers right after 2020. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I, I am hopeful, but I'm also concerned about how this election will be run um, on August 8th, just given some of these, uh, you know, dynamics that are playing out in the state. Yeah, particularly, uh, Morian, given this uh, LaRose, who is your secretary of state, right? Sitting secretary of state. And he is running now for Senate yep. and is uh, trying to attach himself to Donald Trump, although he's caught on tape. I, I was reading, you know, making a pejorative statement about Donald Trump, but clearly has backtracked on that and does want him to come into the state and to uh, endorse him. Are there any concerns about, you know, there was a lot of fear after the 2020 election that Republicans in these red states were going to make it very difficult for people to vote and that we, uh, you know, there could be shenanigans with respect to the way votes are counted, uh, certification of elections or any of those concerns, uh, given who is your secretary of state and some of the public statements that he's made. I mean, the, yeah, yes, on all fronts, the conflicts of interest abound. This guy is a crook. Frank LaRose, the fact that, you know, he's been fundraising for a Senate campaign while also sitting Secretary of State, while campaigning actively for issue one. He was participating in the debate that was broadcast on local television um, on the pro issue one side. He was one of the spokespeople in addition to the top anti-abortion lobbyists in the state. Those were the two voices on this issue. And we have public reporting also showing that they have changed over 60,000 polling locations in the state ahead of August 8th. I was canvassing just before we started this. And I had to tell people, it's like, not only do you need to know that there's this issue one thing, which is kind of wonky, you know, constitutional ballot amendments, whatever that means. And that we have an election on August 8th, a time when most people are trying to enjoy the end of summer, not thinking about voting. But you also need to go to the internet and make sure that the polling location that you've gone to for the past decade is still where you're going to vote if you choose to do so on election day. So this is what they do, create all these, you know, what are technically legal structural barriers um, to try to rig the, the game. And they've been successful so far in Ohio, but hopefully there is the momentum on this one that, you know, we can pull this off. And Cassandra, how does how do how does this momentum uh, be sustained? So places like Ohio, obviously, they've got a lot to fight about around abortion rights. But in some of these other states where you see doctors mobilizing, are, are you seeing, you know, how how are efforts going to sustain that? I worry, uh, as Morgan has said, first of all, you know, some of these uh, technical barriers that have been placed in states that make it harder for people to vote. Uh, you know, if there's not a really sexy issue or a really dynamic care, uh, candidate on the ballot, it's sometimes difficult to get people to care about local elections, uh, particularly when you're talking about, you know, co complex things like initiatives. Oftentimes the wording is, is very hard to understand. You don't know, should you be voting yes or no? You don't know, you know, what your vote represents. So what are you seeing on the ground uh, with the doctor's mobilization that's going to sustain this movement into 2024? 
I'm very much getting the sense that uh, doctors are starting to organize even across state lines and share notes about what's been successful in their efforts. For example, the doctors in Ohio, they used, uh, a, there was a committee that formed in Michigan to help with um, the ballot initiative in Michigan that was uh, successful and, and passed. Um, and I believe, although, uh, you know, I think it's to, to, to develop is that the Ohio doctors are also talking and helping, you know, other doctors who are seeing what they've done, right, in a red state, like we've talked about, and how they've used their force of numbers. I forgot to mention earlier that their coalition is like 4,000 members at this point, wow. which that is also the other thing that really drew me to Ohio because, you know, it's it's a smaller state in the sense of like compared to Texas, right? Where, you know, I would think that possibly you could get 4,000 doctors, but um, in Ohio, I think they really um, tapped into an energy uh, that we are likely going to see right. in other parts of the state. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much for the work that both of you are doing. Such an important issue. And as we've said, abortion really drove people to the polls, young people, women, uh, other folks that care about women's rights to their reproductive freedoms. That, that was a driving force for a lot of voters in the midterm elections of last year. And based on the mobilization happening with these doctors, it's going to be another driving force for the 2024 elections. And uh, Good luck, uh, Morgan, with the work that you're doing. Good luck with that initiative on August 8th and then the uh, greater initiative uh, that comes up in November. And again, thanks to both of you for joining me today. The next